Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What time is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Hello and welcome to Second Captains of the Irish Times. It's Kieran Murphy here, sitting in for all McDevitt. Ken is with me here. Ken, say hello to the people. Hey, Kieran, how you doing? How's everybody? Uh, and we're, we all watched, I'm sure, the uh, celebrations as Manchester City won the greatest Premier League season in history. Uh, yesterday, in not exactly thrilling fashion, it should be said. The old final day drama never really took off, did it? It was almost like, uh, you know, a HBO or, you know, like one of these long-form American Mm. dramas where all the action, the real climax is in the penultimate episode. Yeah, like The Wire. Every season of The Wire finishes with the, like, the climax is in the last, the second to last show. Yeah. And then the last show just sets up the following season. That's exactly what was going on. So the narrative for next season, as we saw it la- yesterday, yeah. was effectively that Manuel Pellegrini is now the grand old man of English football. Yeah. The where, wise, craggy old man. Where the eminence grease. Yeah. Where once everyone bowed down at the feet of Alex Ferguson, mm. now they have to pay that sort of respect to Manuel Pellegrini, a different kind of leader, yeah. an entirely different I'm, I'm, kind of leader. An altogether more benevolent and enlightened uh, leader. Were you as charmed as I was by Manuel Pellegrini yesterday? Um, which bit? Oh, well, all of it. But there is an interview, at the post-match interview at the end, where he so completely charmed me in the course of you know, like basically one two-minute piece of television yeah. that I, I felt a real pang of concern when at the end of that interview Vincent they picked Company him up and started throwing him in the air picked him up like a rag doll yeah but no I think I think for the man's age I think if you watched it though I mean that's become a kind of tradition that throwing the manager in the air in Barcelona I think made that kind of famous with Guardiola who is who's built ideally for being thrown into the air by, by a bunch of football players because yeah. he weighs short, a bit short stocky uh, Guardiola well yeah he's short isn't Rake he? thin Oh, yeah, well, right he's very thin. Sorry, not stocky, uh, but he's short. And but. also, when they when they did that, I think he was only about 38 or 39 when they did that in Rome. Uh, Pellegrini's, what, 62? Yeah. Uh, and I think if you look closely, companies actually doesn't let go of his shoulders. Companies there at the uh, sort of at the head of oh, the table nice. position, you know. Yeah. But, he, but he, he doesn't actually fling the boss completely in the air. Mm. We're talking about a 62-year-old man here. Uh, this is all great fun, but at the same time, Let's just make sure there's you know, no it's back a, Steve Mar- a Steve Morrow type incident here. Is that's a world of pain all of a sudden? Yeah, you know? I mean, there's that, and there's there's just the the thing about back pain. You know, it's it's not, it doesn't have to be 
the uninvited squad player at Manchester City next season, Manuel Pellegrini's back pain. Yeah, actually, Guardiola suffered horribly with it. Mm. Um, uh, it really brought him down at times in Barcelona. That uh, I think he had a he had a herniated disc or something like this. And uh, I don't know if being thrown up in the air repeatedly by um, by players. I'll tell you though, Pellegrini for a tall man, his posture is excellent. Hmm. So I'm not entirely sure that there's going to be a massive there's a massive history of back pain there. He carries himself. He carries himself well. Yeah. And maybe his posture is good because he's had back pain. Was the um, was it actually when one of the one of those manager flinging incidents that actually revealed the size of Jose Mourinho's Cuban heels? <laughs> he, when was that? Was that it? Not in Real. Inter, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, I do remember Mourinho that that year in 2010 when they beat Barcelona, running across the field um, to celebrate slash taunt the yeah. Camp Nou, uh, and it was in that the course of his running across that uh, lush verdant uh, Camp Nou pitch that you could see how difficult it was for him to run because he was wearing what appeared to be the platform shoes that Benny and Bjorn uh, had on the Voulez-Vous tour <laughs> in 1977. Um, they, they would usually wear these platforms with sort of tasseled bell bottoms. Um, Mourinho was wearing more sort of skinny, uh, relatively slim fit trousers and you could see that he was he was tottering a little bit on those block like uh, soles of his shoes, but you know. Um, Some say that was the moment the Josie Mourinho mythology fell apart. No, well, it's, I don't think it was. It was sure. it was possibly the peak moment of. Uh, it was. I think Mourinho would would look at it as the peak moment of his career. Well, if it's the end of the Premier League and the rugby season is coming to a close with uh, playoffs in all three countries uh, in European rugby, then it's the opposite in the GA because there are five games this weekend in three provinces, and we'll preview the. Gaelic Football Championship with Ushie McConville, Anthony Moyles and Maliki Clerken in a couple of minutes. Uh, the GA will, of course, though, have to share the summer stage uh, over the next uh, couple of months with the greatest festival of sport in the world. I'm excited. I think I know another man who is too. Uh, do you think Stephen Gerrard woke up this morning and said, wow, I really can't wait for the start of this year's FIFA World Cup being hosted by Brazil? It's a nightmare, isn't it? God. Imagine having to go and be the England captain <laughs> oh, at this World Cup in Brazil. From the match report in uh, today's Irish Times, Gerard looked as if his candle had been extinguished. His energy and enthusiasm sapped. He looked shattered. After both Agra's equaliser and Sturridge's winner, he merely turned and began walking back, head bowed, low-key to the centre circle. And from after the game, we're absolutely devastated. It's coming home. Yeah. It's come. No, I don't think so. No. I really don't think so either. It's uh, one of those real, you kind of think, if only he'd in- retired from international football after the last after the last. Yeah, and in a weird kind of way, you know, if Liverpool had actually won the league, mm. England would, you know, actually be not a bad bet for the World Cup. If you well, think I, of- I, don't see, I don't see how that really makes any difference. I mean... You know, the, the the players are still the same, regardless of whether or not they finish two points behind Manchester City. I mean, you think they'd be 10% think, better? If they, if I they, think they uh, care a lot more about Liverpool than they do about England. So, yeah. you know, they would feel... Is that true of all the players? I think it's probably it's true, true of Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. Um, maybe it's not Maybe it's not, Yeah, maybe it's not true of, of Sturridge and Sterling. Hmm. Still, though, it's kind of hard to see how you could go through that the cruelty of football yeah. and then be able to get yourself, get think, yourself into a frame I think mind. the big thing for Gerard also now is that he's he's 33 um, in a couple of 34 I should say in a couple of weeks 34 years old in a couple of weeks um, which for an elite sportsman is, is obviously getting towards the sort of senior end of the scale 
what he could really do it now, I think, having exhausted himself again this season, is is just a nice long holiday and recuperation period. And maybe he still has it in him to to play another big season for Liverpool. But this is just exactly the wrong thing to be doing um, during his. I mean, I imagine that what that if Brendan Rodgers has any sense, he will give Steven Gerrard that time off anyway, and will say, "Look, your your preseason is going to start late." Um, I mean, that's usually the case with World Cup players, but I think they really need to give him a, a little bit of extra time and say, you know, um, we're just going to have to try and get by without you for the first couple of weeks of the season. But if that means having you at, you know, in good condition for most of the season, then that's truly better than, st- you know, starting off with you exhausted and going downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk a little later on to Jerry Thornley about Johnny Sexton single-handedly beating Toulouse in Toulouse in the French Top 14 League playoffs. Uh, and uh, an incredible incredible incident in that game which appeared to lay bare again how concussion is not being taken as seriously as it could be and we'll be more on that in a little while anyway. but we're joined now by Maliki Clerken of the Irish Times and by our regular analysts Oisín McConville and Anthony Moyles to look ahead to this uh, summer's Gaelic Football Championship lads thanks so many for coming in first of all cheers man we'll start by asking you a quick question right if you had two choices to pick the winners of this year's All-Ireland right the first choice is Dublin and the second choice are the other 31 counties which choice would you go for Malachi. Uh, uh, Dublin. Oshin? Just think it's a pretty good question. Muffs to kick off. Uh, You're getting very good at this. Well, let's let's not count our chickens. (laughs) (laughs) It's early. Yeah, it's a long show. I'll go to the other. The other 31? Yeah. Me too. Yeah? Okay, so it's not this is it's not quite the foregone conclusion maybe that said uh, that people are people are thinking about it. That's well, like, we're, yeah, I want to cha- I want to change the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it does seem that you know here we are. There's five games on this weekend in three provinces, and it's nearly a fait accompli on a level with say the hurling championship from 2008 2009. Do, or or do we think that? I don't necessarily think. It. I mean, I I think Dublin are absolutely the most likely winners. Um, but I I don't. I don't agree at all with this notion that they are unplayable, that they're unbeatable. The amount of whining that you're starting to hear about them, you know, getting to play every game in Croke Park. I I just think that there's an element of defeatism around where that ignores some of the 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 things that that you look at Dublin and you can see there are things to attack there. Even even in a game where they gave Derry a hiding, Derry had seven goal chances. Now, they fisted two of them over the bar. That kind of thing has to stop. People have to start taking their goal chances against yeah. them. Um, I think I, I think the most likely day that they will get beaten is in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. Um, I think once they get it, they, they, because they are genuinely going to get everything their own way in Leinster, to, up to a certain point, Meath might give them a game in the final, but... Um, I think they could be a bit vulnerable. All Ireland quarter final day, some of the Ulster teams coming through the qual- the qualifiers and and you know battle hardened and all of that and just blowing them out of it. Other than that, I think if they get past that, I think they they are very very likely winners. Oshin, what do you think? Is 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 there a, are we myth- uh, mythologizing Dublin a little early? Well, I think. For me, the only two teams that can beat them are Mayo and Cork. I think uh, physically um, they'll be able to match them. Um, they've got that power and pace. Uh, Mayo 
just need to get over that that mental hurdle, I think. And if they can do that, then I still think they are certainly the second best team in the country from what I've seen. I think they've played well within themselves uh, during the league. I think they've unearthed maybe one or two more. Um, Wege Sweeney, I think the players, yeah, the players inside is is somebody who w- will see a lot of championship football, especially come the latter end of it. Um, but he's a real finisher, and that's exactly what Mayo needed. You know, we need quality finishers, proven finishers, and he's he is that. He is one of those. Uh, I think it's can keep Kelly and O'Connor fit. Then I think they've a real opportunity. I think they need to sort out that midfield area. I think they've got the four best midfielders probably in the country, but you can't play all four of them in the middle of the field. Uh, so they need to probably sort that out. I don't know exactly. They've tried Seamus with Shea and half forward. I'm not sure if that really works. I think he, out of the four midfielders, I think he's been the best of them. Uh, so I think they're the uh, biggest threat to Dublin. Um, Cork, if they can get back together. The, the thing about Cork is that there's really only a couple of things they need to sort out. They need to find some aggression from somewhere and quickly. Uh, and they need to, you know, maintain that and continue that the whole way through the championship. This thing of them coming up, arriving and playing in third or fourth gear isn't good enough. They need to get to the pitch for every single game. I think the monster final is going to bring on added importance because probably whoever loses that is going to end up maybe playing Dublin in a in a quarter final, which would be an absolutely huge game. So, um, the Cork are another possibility. Again, they have all the attributes, but. Like I, I look at it from an Ulster point of view, and I'm actually really looking forward to the Ulster Championship this year. But there's no winners. I, no, I don't think. That's, I, yeah, I, that's actually a question I was going to ask, Anthony. There's probably six teams that you would say can win the Ulster Championship this year, but there's there appears to be agreement that there's not actually an Ireland winner amongst any of them. Yeah, well, there's, there's no one standing out at the moment. But as it progresses through, you might go, okay, well, actually, this team are really now starting to come to the fore. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be it's going to be an excellent championship. The Ulster Championship is. Tyrone won't fear anyone. You know the usual. Donegal look to be in a bit of disarray, but they've been in disarray a lot of times before. Yeah. Interesting quote from Jim McGuinness that was in the Irish Times today. Uh, this is at the pre-championship uh, press night last Saturday. I don't know about pressure, but when things are tough and people are saying nasty things about you rather than nice things, people come together, and I think that's probably where we're at. Um, and they're an interesting story, you know. The way they lost that uh, Division Two final kind of seems to have put a lot of people off them. But in, in the before that, and obviously there is the Mark McHugh issue as well. But people were kind of talking about them maybe as dark horses that, uh, on the back of trying to retain a title which we've all seen as pretty tough and a pretty shambolic year last year in some respects, that this year they could actually get their their house in order again. Yeah, and I think. Like a lot of teams, they they love a siege mentality. It seems, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, they're now he, he he's 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 fostering that, you know, and you can see that. Like, I mean, he's probably adding to it himself. The McHugh thing, rightly or wrongly, has fallen into his lap now, um, and he probably held the line in 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 the in the knowledge of well, if this guy goes, this is going to cause a serious ruckus here. Um, if one or two go with him or whatever it is, but as long as I have the nucleus of the team, I can drag to pull them around this whole thing of. Everyone is against us now, lads, you know, and this is the way it has to be. Um, they still have serious, serious firepower, obviously, in Murphy and McFadden. You know, um, McBrady has been a little bit disappointing for me. You know, a lot of, a lot of potential, but just hasn't really shown it. Um, and they've still got enough. Now, league final, myself and Oshim were chatting about it the last day. They just looked tired. You know, they looked... Now, I don't know if they 
they went to Portugal, suppose you think before that they could have be very tired from that. A lot of work put in. Maybe McGuinness said, Well look, if we win this, we win it. Who cares? We've been promoted anyway. Exactly. It's a real shot to it's, nothing. It's a shot yeah. to nothing. Um because they did look they didn't have that usual spark, um, you know, guys running off shoulders, etc. that we saw obviously in the Dublin game and even Monaghan. Um Monaghan are interesting, but I think Obviously, the big the big thing for Monaghan is, is McManus's injury. You know, it's a massive loss. It's like taking Gucci out of Kerry. Like he really is that important to yeah. them. And straight away, they just go down the the pecking order for me. But I think regardless of who comes out, I think we spoke about this. I'm getting back to the Dublin thing a little bit. Someone just needs to bring a game plan and a really good game plan. Yeah. You know, not just a right. We stick an extra back in there. Yeah. Like 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 a, a, a really intelligent, well thought out game plan that they've actually trained for. From in excess of eight to ten to twelve weeks, yeah. and this is the this is actually the other side of of what I was saying earlier about this sort of defeatism that sort of seems to be in the air. There's a great uh, phrase in uh, in American sports you always hear when when an underdog beats a, beats the the favorite the guy goes the other t- the other guys get paid to come to work as well. Obviously, they're not getting paid in the GA, yeah, but exactly. there are a handful of other teams who are at this very moment, looking at the summer and going, right, we are going to put a game plan in place. We are going to train properly. We are going to do this. We're going we're gonna to target what we think Dublin have and, and we're going to find out a way to do this. Now, maybe they're not good enough in the end. And, and look, it's very likely, like, all the kind of, there is certainly an element of people sort of giving out about Dublin's dominance and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. This we could be on the the point of watching a really special team here, you know, that we shouldn't get too carried away giving out about. They play a fantastic brand of football. They could be a really genuinely fantastic team for you know a, a team that we remember. Yeah. Um. And so maybe it's just the fact that no matter what plans everybody else puts in place, they're just probably may not be good enough to beat them. Yeah. But if if you're if you're looking at uh, and both of you uh, seem to think that there's a plan out there that can be drawn up to mm. beat Dublin. Is McGuinness, do you think, the man most likely? I mean, I was actually talking to a Liverpool sporting friend of mine about how if Rodgers had won the Premier League, that it was it was the only thing that he could think of in sport, vaguely analogous to McGuinness winning the All-Ireland with that Donegal team. That's how good an achievement that was. Um, do you think that McGuinness has it in him to come up with another plan, a, you know, a second way of playing that, that can beat Dublin? Because... It, the, the season can now nearly be distilled into, right, if we're going to win the Ireland, the road to the Ireland goes through Dublin, so we're, we have to have something in our locker to beat Dublin. Is McGuinness the man that would be able to draw up that plan or the man best equipped to draw up that plan? I think he can certainly draw up a plan and I think you know he, they're a team that could certainly go close but the thing that really hampered them last year, the reason, one of the main reasons why they won the All-Ireland because they had absolutely zero injuries the year they won the All-Ireland. Last year they couldn't cope with losing you know, uh, Lacey, uh, Gallagher and and you know on different yeah on different occasions they've lost maybe three or four players. I remember in particular going to watch them play uh, Leash and Leitrim last year, and they really struggled against what wasn't a great Leash team. Uh, they needed to unearth as a, a couple of players this year. They started off with O'Connor, um, young O'Connor yeah. at the start of the year, and McNeilis who who have made an impact. And then to go and lose uh, a number of players, but in particular Mark McHugh, they can't afford to be losing players. So yeah, they w- they will have a plan to implement, and they'll be very very difficult to beat. But at the end of the day, I don't think they have the uh, the squad 
to win in all Ireland. I, think I actually, you talk about Kenny. Does he have another plan? I think the 2012 Donegal team would. I think they would beat this Dublin team. I yeah. think. I think just the the momentum they had that year, the plan they had, how they were so focused and functioned, how they broke up opposing teams' play in their own half and then broke, and the amount of scores that they got on the break. I I think that that game plan with Dublin team though. Sure, but I, I just think that it, that if you were looking to beat this Dublin team, that that Donegal team then playing that way, I think would it be have as good a hope as any. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. But you know, like a lot of obviously a lot of talk about Dublin. But the thing about it is, really, he hasn't changed all that much, Gavin. You know, like I mean, he's brought a, a bit of extra power and pace. But like you look at the main characters in the team. And they're still, they're still the main characters. You know, okay, Macaulay has probably progressed himself along a bit more. But you still have the Cluxons. The Rory O'Carroll is still... Rory O'Carroll is absolutely paramount, I believe, to that team because he holds that full-back line together. You lose him um, and it causes a lot of problems. And I agree with Malachy. I was into the game. I didn't realise it was seven goal chances. But I remember thinking, oh, Derry, like, if they just took a few... There was a spell just before half-time and just before after half-time where they fisted two points. They could have got six. They could have got six on the board and it could have been within one or two. And it would have just... Dublin would have ended up running out winners because, but you always have to maintain Dublin will score goals. Now, there are a few teams then in the country that you say, OK, if they're going to go toe-to-toe, have they the firepower to get goals? Mayor one. Cork are probably another one. Kerry will rack up. I think Mead have enough firepower to, to, to trouble them with goals, but they need to get... Nearly every single chance has to go in the back of the net. Um, and then you go, well, look to the management themes and the style of play and who has that ability to actually outfox Gavin to a certain degree or at least make it very, very difficult. And for me to beat Dublin, I think you actually have to get ahead of Dublin in a sense of, you know the way guys track back, I think you actually have to be back there nearly waiting for Dublin mm. because this idea of Philly McMahon, Cooper breaking and going off shoulders... You know, if you're a corner forward or whatever, a half forward, and as soon as the ball breaks down, I know you, they, they say it happens a lot, don't wait. Actually, just get back to the defence. Do what Donegal did in that 2012. Form the wall. Yeah, form the wall and say, right, come through us if you can. Yeah. Now, because that'll end up bringing back Bernard Brogan out. These guys will have to come out on a loop and try and kick long scores. They have the ability to kick long scores, but at least you need to do something. You know, you can't just say, because you know what they're going to do. You know they're going to Well, that's what I wonder, Anthony, uh, and we'll watch it in Leinster. Like, will any Leinster teams do that? That's the thing. Like, Leinster has always been, and I even always felt it, I remember voicing my opinion on it and just kind of going, it's just shoot them out football. You know, it's like, it's it's the Kevin Keegan, well, you score six, we'll score eight kind of thing. And no one really brought anything. Like, Leash never brought anything different to the party. Kildare did the same. Loud did the same. You know, and it was never, it was nearly kind of like, Oh Jesus! Don't do a defensive thing. That, that, that that's yeah. completely wrong. And you'd hear the crowd roaring. Actually, which is even <laughs> yeah. worse. You know, the me crowd would be going bananas if you were doing <laughs> yeah. that. What are you all back there for? You know, get up the front. So no one, people always felt it was kind of like a little bit, you know, against the tradition. I think that's slightly changing now. And Mick O'Dowd, even with me, he he, he has realised, you know, the ability and, and and what's required. And he is slowly changing that, I think, within the camp. And he's actually slowly slowly changing within the county. Mm. Um, so I think he will bring something different to it. I don't think it'll be ultra-defensive, but I think he will bring something different to it. Because I don't otherwise, know they're just, like, that's, it's just hand in Dublin, Leinster. 
Well, yeah, it's just, it's just, you're just going toe to toe with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think, like, say, and we were kind of talking about the Ulster Championship there, and and we we might get round to Leinster, but the the idea of, and we won't stay long because I think we're all in agreement. There's there's not a whole lot to talk about in the Leinster Championship, but if Monaghan's stock has fallen and Donegal's stock has fallen because of the loss of personnel, um, does it kind of fall on Tyrone then, or Tyrone? Tyrone nearly are they are they now? I, I still think Tyrone might lose on Sunday. <laughs> they have to beat down Monaghan and Armagh or Cavan just to get to the Ulster final. I think I still think Derry are, are probably yeah. best players to to win that. I think you know they've come on leaps and bounds. I think uh, I don't I'm not just not convinced about Donegal just yet. I think going you know going back to the way that Donegal played. Uh, the year before they won the All Ireland, where they were ultra defensive and didn't really have a lot going forward, you know, I think that has changed. But I think I don't know if they know exactly where they're at now. I think they're sort of caught between two stools. Um, mm. I think they don't have the players might not be buying into it as much as they have been in the past. Mm. Uh, because one thing about players is that, and I know this from from experience, is that. Armagh won not Ireland, and if Joe Kernan had asked us to do anything in 2002, it would not have mattered. We would have done absolutely anything, and I mean anything. In 2003, when we were doing things, people were questioning what we were doing, why we were doing it. And is that, I'm, on a personal level, you're questioning that because, well, hold on a second here, I have an All-Ireland medal in my back pocket. Is, is that what it is? You know that you're I, think a, I think it's just a human nature type thing. I think it's you just question things. You're not, you don't have that hunger that maybe you had the, you know, the previous year. You're just a little kind of mentally tired from yeah, possibly, from having yeah. from having a year of where you did everything. Yeah, because you keep going to the wild that many times. You're thinking, you know, I just can't go. That's what's kind of struck me about Donegal. You know? Donegal look a bit tired. Like you know, say the All Ireland year, like Frank McGlynn was in the running for for Footballer of the Year because you're bombing for yeah. scored the goal against Down in the Ulster final and all that. I remember in the Ulster final last year against Monaghan, he scored a point. I can't remember another score he's had since. I, I'm probably wrong, but I can't, you know. Well, if but you it look ju- at it, sorry, but in the Monaghan, in the league final, he got dispossessed on a run yeah. up the field. He got shoved out kind of over the sideline, ma- managed to maintain, and he was going, and he was actually, he got dispossessed by two Monaghan uh, backs, and he, he literally stood up. I remember seeing him, he nearly put his hands on his knees, and I said, mm. whoa, I said, that's some, that's some difference. Mm. You know, it was kind of like a little cameo of of, of, of where mean. they are. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think Gushin's right. Like, I mean, you, you never doubt, you never doubt the manager in that kind of a year. The same thing, you know, boiling over the years. But then the second thing is, a manager then feels pressure. I got, I have to change it up a little bit, yeah. and he starts to introduce new stuff. And the thing was, Tony Gall have lost all that backroom team. Yeah, you know, a whole new backroom team in, and is that change? Is that? Messing things around a little bit, you know, you wouldn't know. You, you talked you about Tyrone there, though. The, the, that was who you sort of introduced into the conversation. And I think they they have a profile a little like Cork in that they have some, they they have a, a handful of forwards that can score. You know, the, and and not every team has that. You know, like we talk about Monaghan. If you take Conor McManus out, and and I don't think he's going to be out for the whole year. I think he he would be back at some point. But there's talk that Kieran Hughes might might struggle for the first game as well. So if you take those two guys out, you know that's it. Christopher McGuinness isn't going to win you the Ulster Championship on his own. Um, Tyrone, on the other hand, Tyrone have a few like even it, whatever Tyrone, I haven't seen Tyrone's team isn't picked for Sunday yet. But there's a good chance that one of either Kyle Coney, Conor McAlisky, or Darren McCurry won't start. Like, they're three scoring forwards, you know, and they, they do have 
plenty of forwards. What they don't have, and they're a little like Cork, fair enough, Hushin, Tyrone, you couldn't say Tyrone lack aggression, but they 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 haven't got their defence as organised as it was, mm. and they don't have the Philip Jordan. It was worrying. Of old at wing back. Yeah, it was worrying during the league for Tyrone to see how many times uh, teams got goals by actually just taking on defenders and yeah. beating them. Yeah. And I think that like that's the big question mark. Part of the particular the first twenty five minutes against Dublin. Yeah, Dublin absolutely. I know we're talking about Dublin again, but Dublin absolutely ripped them apart. But I think that said and the a little bit more Kerry. about Tyrone than it did yeah. because Tyrone started that game uh, six against six, man for man. They mm-hmm. soon uh, filtered two uh, wing half forwards back, and you could see that there was no practice put in beforehand. This was just a reaction to what Dublin were doing, and. Unfortunately, during the championship and the way the thing has gone and how professional teams are, and just to go back if I can for a second on Donegal, I watched Donegal and Down in the league this year. Down beat them, and I didn't think it was a brilliant Down team or anything, but Down matched up against Donegal the way Donegal had played three years ago. Very, very defensive. You've probably seen them against me, Down against me as well. But Donegal really did not have a clue how to react to that. And their reaction to that was to kick the long ball into Murphy. And on, on a day, on, on any given day, if he's not winning that initial ball in that full forward lane, then Donegal are very, very beatable. And they're very one-dimensional if, they, if, mm. you know, if a team does match up, ironically, the way they played against Yeah, them. and maybe this is a situation where um, you, they used to say that in the absence of a great team, Kerry will probably win the All-Ireland. In the absence of maybe of a good team in Ulster this year, does that does that mean maybe Tyrone will win it? Or, or, yeah, I think Derry. I think, I think, Derry. Derry. I think, yeah, I think Derry. well, that, they have that side of the draw as well. And they have they have Donegal at home uh, without Rory Kavanagh uh, on Sunday week. I think I think I would back them to win there. Then they have uh, they win their semi final against is it Antrim or Fermanagh. Uh, so they have a, a handyish run to the the final. I mm. think and. And I think the yeah. other side of that is that if Donegal go into qualifiers, yeah. they definitely they won't have, they don't have the squad to deal with that. I think psychologically, McIver has a job to do with Derry though. He need he, like he needs to pick them up. You know, he needs to focus on the positives. He needs to try and get them off the ground because, you know, you well, I mean, you've been there. Crow Park is a lonely place if you're on the end of a of a hammering like hammer, that. Yeah. You know, like it really is. You start to doubt yourself. You're doubting all the different stuff you do, and especially if you come in with the attitude of, "Well, this is we're going to take Dublin on, and we're really going to push them, and we're going to win this game." And you're 100 percent believe that. Like it's 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 quite. You know, all of a sudden you get into a, a dogfight in an Ulster Championship game, and at the back of your mind you're just thinking, you know. Have we well, got this? Have we got you're, it? You're right, Anthony, because there's no doubt that, that a few of the Derry players gave up. You know, oh, in, in, absolutely, in, in packed final. the bag. Yeah. And yeah. you could even see, uh, you know, Mark Lynch came into the game being fated by everybody. We were even doing it here. Donny Cooper stood at his heel for the first forty minutes, and every time, you know, every time Lynch tried to kind of jog to the right two yards, a jog to the left two yards, Johnny was standing in his way and annoying him, like just real annoying yeah. cornerback player, yeah, yeah. you know, just yeah. tight market and just just annoyed the shit out of him. And by the end, like, Lynch just kind of went, oh, I just just didn't have the, yeah. just didn't want it, you know, just, and he did well to keep Johnny to a point after that. I think. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that, that in itself, you know, I mean, that's, he managed to turn the table so effectively on Lynch, but, I mean, if, if we, we might get predictions at the end, but if you go to Munster, for instance, and basically previewing the Munster Championship this year is to try and preview a Munster final that's going to happen mm. two months from now between Cork and Kerry. But, um, you know, I think you're all aware of my feelings on Cork. That I actually think that they could win the All-Ireland this year. 
Um, but I will now give you the chance to tell me why I'm an idiot, Machine. Uh, and I th- well, you've mentioned it already. Um, you you f- you feel that there's a lack of regression. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to simplify this too much about Cork, but I feel that there's two things that they need to do, and I've said this now for a number of years, and things really haven't changed in Cork all that much. Aggression wise, I don't understand this. I seen them play in the league final two years ago against Dublin. Two years, maybe three years ago, and they were so aggressive for 35 minutes, and they blew Dublin away with their physicality and everything else. Come out the second half like lambs, and they got eventually they got they got beaten. But uh, I think the other thing as well as aggression is that what shouldn't really be a problem for a team. They should be a hungry team at this stage. Uh, and the other thing is, I think any time I've watched them, the more direct they are, the better. And I think Horley at, at, uh, in that full forward line is as good a full forward as what's around at the moment. I couldn't believe. I saw um, uh, stats on Hurley for the league semi-final yeah. and the last game of the league. And he took something like 20 shots from play yeah. in the cor- over the course of the two games and scored 12 or 13 points from play. Yeah. I mean, the guy is... A one of the premier shoot on site merchants. He doesn't, lay, he doesn't lay it off for the yeah. runner. No, anyway. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think if he's good enough, ah, that's yeah. good. He's that's too, a good idea yeah, for his team. Two, he's got two great feet. Yeah, yeah, he's got two great feet. Um, and he's no, very I'd, hard to push off the ball. Yeah, I would say that Cork are runners in this um, in a big way because, as you say, if Dublin give them give them four or five goal chances. They have the force to actually score yeah. four, four or five goals. Go back to Anthony's point, though. They, they need to come with a game plan. They can't just come and say, "Let's go gung ho against Dublin," you know, or "Let's go gung ho against whoever." Even Kerry, Kerry can hurt the likes of of, of Cork because they can get in and around them, you know, they get in get get in around them, and I think O'Donoghue, you know, can call, you know, is the sort of player that can cause them real serious problems, but. I don't think you're a complete fool. I think, you know, Cork yeah, have yeah, it. Put that have in the gravestone. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cork have an opportunity. They're one of the teams that can realistically uh, win the All-Ireland. Yeah. Maybe not this year, though. Like, I, I, I think that if we go back to what it's going to take to beat Dublin, yes, a game plan to t- stop them scoring, but you also have to score, especially in the game now where, where black cards have... Eliminated the body check more or less from the game, uh, where the advantage rule gives you more scoring opportunities. Um, you're going to have to beat Dublin. You're going to have to score one eighteen around. Yeah, you're going to yeah. score over twenty points. Yeah, um, and you're going to need a couple of goals. Not every team is going to have the the scoring power to do that when it matters. You know. Mm. Cork do that is uh, that is one but, thing yeah, that is absolutely you need, you need possession you yeah, know you need yeah. you need plenty of possession to get that mm. you know you can't live off you can't score one eighteen living off scraps mm. you know I'm, I'm watching Dublin so so the first thing you have to obviously nullify is kick out I know sorry we're not going back to Dublin I, I am going out to Cork here <laughs> Cork um, I saw them during the year and I remember talking to you about them and I said wow I said they they are seriously impressive because for the first time in Ireland how long they didn't have halfbacks. Or cornerbacks running up the field with the yeah. ball, yeah. they actually kicked the ball into yeah. the forward line. Yeah. Um, very, very impressive midfield, direct. The more direct, as Oshin says, the better. And you have to get that ball in as quickly as possible into a forward line to get can then take on a man mm. because the black card is like manna from heaven mm. for a corner forward, yeah. and it's a disaster for a cornerback. Like I mean, the slightest slip from a cornerback and a guy goes down and you're probably going to get a black card whether you foul them or not mm. um, so you need to keep going take them on take them on take them on they are I think they've got the wherewithal I really do but I, I agree with Malky I think it's just a year probably too early for them well, physically it, maybe if Aidan Walsh wasn't playing hurling this year I would give them a far bigger chance but I think the 
that I saw him through the league, both hurling and football, and he wasn't any good at either of them. Yeah, because it just seemed to be the whole. The whole thing just seemed to take his energy out of him. I don't think he even played a full hurling game. Like I think he came off injured one time and came on yeah. as a sub another time, and he came on against Dublin that time uh, in the semi final when Macaulay was just he was being Macaulay to the nth degree. Like yeah, just yeah. this is my midfield. Anybody else wants a piece of it? Come and get it. Well, and mm. Walsh just wasn't interested. Yeah, I couldn't know. believe how ineffective yeah. in Walsh was. And uh, he is. I mean, he is potentially. Potentially, oh, yeah. as, as good a player as there is in the country, you know. Yeah. Um, do you think that, and you know, there's there's only one Leinster team in divisions one, two, or three with a winning record in this year's league, other than Dublin. Who is that team? Meath. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wicklow won, won five games in Division Four. Other than that, every other team had a losing record, other than Dublin. So it does fall to Meath. I was actually talking to our resident Meath man here, uh, Mark Horgan, last week, joking about how we'd come to a Leicester file and we'd all start saying, Meath dud feared the dubs <laughs> in Pro Park. It's the greatest cliche in uh, GA But yeah. the fact of the matter is, Meath actually don't appear to fear Dublin. <laughs> so uh, that's what we're looking at, presumably a Dublin Meath Leinster final? Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, What's the feeling in Meath about, about the team? It's pretty good. I was actually chatting to a couple of. They played Galway yesterday in a, in a, in a challenge game. Um, beat Galway Murph, but that's that's all, that's right. all right. That's by the by. Most counties will get their turn. <laughs> <laughs> Some stage, but you know, um, yeah, they have a couple of guys going getting back. Brian Mead is actually back. Played yesterday. You know, I think they need him around that midfield area. They they worked out the kick out last year very very well. Cluxton they put a lot of pressure on. They won midfield hands down. They stayed with Dublin. They got a good start, but then they, I think. I don't know. It's easy to say they ran out of steam. You know. subs. Yeah, That's what exactly. People, they sent on he didn't Dennis, have the panel. They sent on Dennis, Dennis Bastic and from the, I think he came on around the 47th minute, Yeah, tide of the game turned. Completely. Absolutely. And if you see it, yeah. Andrew Tormey, who's a guy, who's, who's a Dunham or Ashburn guy, he's a guy who's playing kind of half forward midfield. He came on, but you could see the mead subs were coming on, were kind of coming on and not looking around the stadium, but they were kind of like, okay, this is one of my first times in Crow Park. Mm. You know, there wasn't much experience on the bench anymore. Um, whereas this year, they've got a lot of league time, these guys. Uh, I think they're much more confident. Um, and I really do think, and I know <laughs> it is, but they won't fear it at all. Like, I mean, I know, but like they'll go in and they'll just say, right, and they'll see this as an absolutely unbelievable challenge. Fantastic opportunity. They won't lack for aggression. Yeah. They really won't lack for aggression. They'll get stuck in everywhere. Mm. Um, they'll annoy the likes of Connolly. These fellas, they'll put them under serious pressure. Shane O'Rourke is a big plus. He'll probably play at 11. Um, and if he can have a championship... It's a great addition. Massive yeah. addition. Like, I mean, he's he's more of an addition than Wallace is a loss. You know, like, yeah, Wallace I mean, is a fine player, mm. very fast, but he's not the pedigree of, of a work. Like, you talk about left and right, big man... Mm. Can 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 move, yeah. um, so I think he's 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 he's, he's big. The defence is actually quite mean at the moment. I was watching, looking at their scoring record, um, and they've been they've been pretty good through the league. And that down game um, in the league, down we're doing the defence, pack defence, and they kick some fantastic yeah. long range scores. Um, but you know, again, it, it's going to be. I think, yeah, and it's a game. Like when we're talking about game plans, I don't mean you, you, you know, to, to use the Mourinho, you park the bus, mm. but you just do. Like Kerry had a game plan last oh, yeah. year, and it very nearly worked. Yeah. And it wasn't park the bus; it was 
Jack McCaffrey is vulnerable turning around and going back towards his own goal. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? And 11, which we spoke about, Jared Brennan at six, we pull him left and right. Mm -hmm. And of course, they put the master stroke of putting Gooch in and just pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. So it can be done and you can get at Dublin. So maybe Mead will, will learn from that, you know. Yeah, out of the sides in Connacht currently trotting along uh, in Mayo's uh, wake, do you think Ross Common probably are the team that is best placed maybe for a run the qualifiers? I mean, they've, they, <coughs> they've Leitrim this weekend... Uh, one division three, one division three. You know, quite impressively. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know they they won that final without their under twenty one players, and I thought yeah. that was and know, scored one eighteen against Cavan. Impressive, yeah. Not a lot of teams are going to do that this year. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they are probably our best players. I think they will have a decent run, but I mean the kind of championship last year was depressing. You know, really, really depressing. Forty five points, I think, was the aggregate that Mayo beat the three teams they played uh, last year, which is, yeah, that's bad. And it was no good for Mayo. No. I don't think this year is going to be that much different, to be honest. I I think Mayo are so far ahead of everybody in Connacht, it's it's, it's scary, actually. Yeah. But I I think Roscommon are making great strides. Yeah, I mean, Galway, you know, came came a little better towards the end of the league, but there's absolutely no guarantee. Actually, Sky Sports have taken a punt on Galway losing to London uh, the weekend after next because the second game and we didn't really even mention it but I mean Sky Sports will be one of the stories of the summer in some respects particularly I think in June when there's not a whole lot else going on it will be a major diversion uh, just to see what they do with it but um, the second game that they're showing is Galway or London against Sligo and you're looking at that going why are they doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Every every goal is shifting their their motivations there's something going on yeah I'm not entirely sure about that but um, Give me your four provincial winners and the four other teams in the quarterfinals then and we'll we'll leave it at that. Well I think it's I think it's Cork Kerry, Mayo Dublin and four Ulster teams in yeah. the in the All Ireland quarterfinal. And I'll say Monan Tyrone, Derry and Donegal. Derry to win the Ulster title? Yeah. Ogin? Oh, Derry, Mayo, Dublin, Cork. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Mayo to win all Ireland. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I just <laughs> fell off the chair. For those of you who <laughs> uh, Every Mayo supporter is just yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. yeah, already we're being tipped. Um, I think Tyrone, Dublin, Mayo, and Cork. Yeah, and to win the All Ireland. But <laughs> <laughs> she's urging him to <laughs> No, I can't do it. No. Um, oh. Cork. Okay. Okay, well, that, that's pretty good. I mean, so only one. Are you sticking with Dublin to win the Ireland? I'm Iron? sticking with Dublin, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, but I, I don't really get how, how people have, have dismissed Mayo. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Oshin has, mm. has, has tipped them there. I think I think people have just decided. Don't take Mayo are, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think people have just decided that it's, it's this is all too much for poor Mayo that they're not going to be able to. Mayo mm. are going to absolutely be in the All Ireland semi final where yeah. they will play a Cork, where their greater experience will just beat them. Um, but I actually did some stats, some Mayo forward stats. People always give out about the Mayo forwards, and they give out about the media giving out about the Mayo forwards. I went back and looked at it. In the last thirty years, only two, three All Ireland runners up haven't had a forward in that year's All-Star team. Two of them came from Mayo. 
it was last year's Mayo team and the 1996 Mayo team, mm. 1997 Mayo team, plus the 2007 Cork team. And in the last two All-Ireland finals that Mayo have played in, no Mayo starting forward has scored a point from play after half-time. Wow. That's their problem. There you go. Mm. In a that nutshell. They, they need yeah. to turn up. I was going to change the, the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, need to turn, they need to. They will absolutely be there in August. They'll be there yeah. in the All Ireland semi final. They need to get to an All Ireland final. And just, you know, they got to man up and they got to do it. Mm. I'd love to see the percentage on. Malachi's probably the man for this. On Dublin's conversion rate considering the amount of chances that they create and I don't think it's anything I don't like have them off the top of my as, head as, as clinical as what no. uh, other teams you want, are you should go anybody with an interest in, in that kind of stuff the don't foul blog is brilliant it breaks down all of these games it broke down the other day the Dublin the league final it said that in that game Dublin took 40 shots like 40 shots is, is, is unheard yeah. of 10 of them were for goals <laughs> 25% of their shots, they went for a goal. <laughs> right, well, uh, male people's heads explode. <laughs> when you say the phrase, marquee forward, that's usually when uh, male heads let start, me, let start me to Let me said, I did not use that yeah, phrase. I, know, you I, did. Was, I, was, I was listening out for it. But listen, Malachi Clark and Ocean McConville, Anthony Moyles, thanks so many for coming in, lads. Cheers. I knew the place. Clough, but he calls me Ravi, didn't know them. He said to me, what can you do that the boss hasn't done? You, the boss. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. But there's no way you can win it better. Why not? Only, no, 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 no. But that's the only hope I've got. We're only, only lost four matches. Then, but that, well, I can only lose three. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. Clough, but he calls me Ravi. Good luck. Now that might that might be you know aiming for utopia, and it might be, might mean being a little bit stupid, but that is the way I am. I'm a little bit stupid regarding this type of thing. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. I want to book a holiday. I want the flights, the hotel, some flattering new bikinis, a big silly hat and nice dinners in local restaurants with cute waiters. And I want... No, I have to be beach ready. So I need to be a regular saver. KBC understands spending is easy, but saving is hard. That's why we have a range of savings options with tempting rates that make savings simple. So you can save when you want and spend when you want. Visit kbc.ie, call 1-800-5152-53 or pop into any KBC hub in Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway. KBC, the bank of you. Terms and conditions apply. KBC Bank Ireland PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Well, according to our crack panel of experts, Ken, uh, Dublin ain't all that in a bag of potato chips. Last time we suggested something like this to you, uh, you started rabbiting on about some German lad who went on a tramp around rural Ireland in the oh. 17th century and didn't like a whole lot of what he saw. You mean Ludolf von Munchausen? That's the, that's the fella, yeah. Well, I mean, he said he didn't like what he didn't like a lot of what he saw, and that's true. But that's not to say that he didn't like anything he saw. Oh, okay. Uh, he says Dublin is the capital of Ireland. This is the most beautiful and noble of all places in Ireland. For a beginning, the city is surrounded by fertile fields and not mountains as most of the other places in Ireland. Also, the people here are less boorish and uncivilised. 
since this part of the country has been given to the English by the Queen of England. <laughs> Little Irish is spoken. There are even some people here who cannot speak Irish at all. The houses, too, are, are built more graceful than in other parts of the country. All commodities needed by the people for their needs and pleasures are available here. Uh, in the castle of Dublin, they keep the whole of Ireland's ammunition and what else belongs to it. Uh, it's the residence mm-hmm. of the governor, etc., etc. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it seemed as though it seemed as though Ireland, the trip to Ireland, wasn't a total write-off for uh, Ludolf von Munchausen. Mm. What was obvious to uh, von Munchausen in the 17th century, not so obvious to our uh, panel of Gaelic football experts, but nevertheless, can we move on a small bit of uh, housekeeping now? Because it's time to announce our KBC competition winner, who is Pascal Regan from Shannon in County Clare. Fun times ahead for you, Pascal. Uh, because there are some special limited edition second captain's P. Basil darts and a Pierce Brosnan mug on, you know, 500 euros of cash money, uh, which you can spend on whatever the hell you want, Pascal. So congratulations to you. Uh, what's coming up in the football show, Ken? That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. What are you talking about? What did you know? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'm going to leave it there. I'd say it to you, Pace. I'll say it to you now. I will down to Wanfield and we'll see them, won't we? What are you doing down here? You're showing me, man. Well, we'll look back on the last day of the season and maybe with the awards having made it and the manager of the year awards going to be announced later on tonight at the LMA dinner. Mm. Do you have some thoughts on this? I'd be interested to... uh, Get stuck into this with you, Ken. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about that because it's quite open. I think an open sort of field. There's a lot of uh, different guys who, I think, have a case uh, there. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Samir Nasri as well, one of the victorious Manchester City players who, it seems, almost certainly is not going to be going to the World Cup uh, because nobody likes him. And uh, if that's a, if that's a reason not to get picked for the World Cup, well, apparently in France it is. Uh, right, well, that's going to be coming up in the next couple of hours. But we move on to rugby now. And Johnny Sexton led his team, Racing Metro, to a thrilling win away from home against Toulouse in the top 14 playoffs this weekend at quarterfinals, effectively. And we're joined now by Jerry Thornley, rugby correspondent of the Irish Times. Thanks a million for joining us, Jerry. We were talking to Johnny actually last week, and it was clear that things were starting to come together for him in France, and things getting better and better for him, apparently, after this weekend. Yeah, very much so. Um, he's the main man over there, by all accounts. Um, Quite a hugely popular figure amongst the supporters within the club setup. They know they realise what a wondrous player he is, and best out half in the northern hemisphere, as I continually say, and has been for a few years now. And uh, he's vital to them, and he guided them. I mean, in truth, he kicked seven out of seven. That was the difference between the sides. Toulouse scored the only try, played more of the rugby. Racing Metro, I think, only got into Toulouse twenty-two once. If they'd been there for another couple of hours, I don't think they would have scored a try. But better set pieces, and the confidence that comes from a proper game manager, ten, and a goal kicker, which is what Toulouse were distinctly lacking with Mark Toussaint at 10. And, um, yeah, he, he was vital to them, a huge upset win. But uh, it means that Toulouse don't make the semi-finals for the first time in Guinova's 20-year reign. And Racing now played Toulon, the battle of the two nouveau riche clubs, both backed by benefactors with a place in the top 14. Who knows? He could conceivably win a bouclier de Breno, which is a, a much-cherished object in French rugby in his first season there, something that, say, eluded Trevor Brennan in his five years with Toulouse. Uh, interesting you mentioned Guy Noves there and obviously the panic was setting in from pretty early on given the fact mm. that he had reached the top four as you say in every year that uh, he's been coached there at Toulouse um, there was an incident in the game involving uh, Toulouse centre Florian Fritz uh, which we were actually hoping to talk about can you just explain to us what exactly happened there 
Um, it was a brutally physical game and they were running hard direct in midfield. Um, that's why he played Luke McAllister at 12 and Fritz at 13. And Fritz took the ball up the middle, um, stumbled slightly in the tackle and his um, head came into the contact with the knee of the Racing Metro second row, Francois van der Merwe, and opened up a huge wound and clearly concussed him. Um, he was dazed, he was fighting back the physio, uh, didn't want to be treated, wanted to carry on, blood pouring out of him. It looked horrible. The physio had to physically drag him off the pitch and he was off the pitch for 16 minutes and the camera then panned to the Toulouse dressing room or the medical room and Guy Nobes was there and he, he seemed to be encouraging Fritz to come on back onto the pitch and Fritz came back on with five minutes to go before some kind of sanity um, prevailed and he was properly replaced by Fiku for the rest of the game, Fiku for the rest of the match at half time. It, it, I'm not a surgeon, none of us in this program are surgeons or doctors, we don't know what protocols were in place there and to what degree he was examined, but... You know, clubs have a duty of care to their players as well. It looked um, horrendous, and it might have been a product of the 6-2 split. Nobody had gone for on the bench, so it meant that Fiku was only one of two backs that was there to, as a replacement. And in any event, um, Fritz was encouraged to go back on the pitch for the last five minutes of the first half before then was replaced for the rest of the game. It, and in ter- certainly in terms of the image of the game, it did not look good. It looked horrendous, to be honest. Yeah, and there's, uh, as you say, none of us uh, are doctors, but there is this quote from Florian Fritz after the game. I had a small KO. I don't remember everything, um, which is a pretty, it's a pretty shocking uh, incident when Fritz himself has come out and said that after the game. Um, it doesn't seem to leave a, a whole lot of room for argument there. No, it doesn't. And it would suggest that the French are somewhere behind the rest of the world now and in this along with much other things. It, it looked it looked very old school from the bad from the bad days when we know the players went on playing with concussion. Um, yeah, and the optics of this thing, as you as you've said, yeah, Jerry, it's what it very, looks, very what, how it looks for the game. This game was televised um on um BT Sport and I think it was on Satanta or ESPN as well. I mean like a lot of people would have seen these 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 incidents, there would have been a lot of interest in Ireland alone because of Johnny Sexton, Ron Gard, Racing Metro. It's a huge match, a marquee game in France, you know, Le Barrage, effectively a quarter final. And it just presents the game in an appalling light, to be honest. Uh, and we uh, have actually spoken to a couple of French reporters uh, just this morning, and it doesn't appear to have been a huge uh, reaction to it in France, which in itself... Uh, suggest that there is still still quite a quite a way to go before this issue is taken as seriously as it needs to be. Yeah, and you'd wonder maybe should the IRB investigate to show some leadership in this by specifically inquiring about this incident and what protocols were observed before Fritz was allowed to go back in the pitch. I mean, we I would be surprised. I mean, I've always thought Kinova showed a, a, an almost paternal like um, protective instinct towards his players. You can you can see that kind of classic French affection he shows for his players in the pitch but it just it if, if there was if there were not an, if there wasn't an outcry it shows it underlines the fact that France do seem to be the top of 14 does operate very much in a bubble we know how cherished the bouquet de Breno is how important it is and but that just it, it just didn't look right it just didn't look as if Florence Fritz should have continued to evolve if ever there was a case of a player who should have been wrested from the fray after what happened to him it was Fritz, and the very fact that he was then replaced at halftime, you wonder what was gained by bringing them on for the last five minutes of the first half. I mean, it's all very well commending a warrior spirit, which is what an awful lot of rugby players bring, and that was a, a brutally physical and tough encounter with an awful lot at stake, but it just looked for all the world as if Florian Fritz should not have rejoined the fray, and it would be, it would, I think it would be worth the RB making a little bit of an investigation in this and finding out what protocols were observed, and how came to pass that Fritz was allowed back in the pitch. I mean, it needs to be made an issue of. 
Okay, very well. Thanks very much, Jerry, for uh, for joining us. Jerry Tony of the Irish Times. Thanks very much. Cheers, Murph. What I think made this story very different, Ken, was the the TV access to it. I've never actually seen that before, that a camera would be able to effectively follow Gino Vez, the Toulouse coach, all the way into the medical room. He's obviously having words there with the staff, with the player, apparently making sure that he refers, returns to the to the fray as quickly as possible. Hmm. Extraordinary stuff, really. Yeah. And we'll tweet the link to the to the clip that we that we had that we've seen uh, yeah. later today as well. Well, it's good work by the cameraman. I mean, I suppose I suppose a lot of the time the cameras would have that kind of access, but you're rarely going to see uh, you're rarely going to see a manager actually do what that manager appears to be doing. I mean, essentially, he goes back and and the the, the injured player is in the medical room. And the manager, who's who appears to be a little tense and anxious about something, is uh, is in there, sort of beckoning, you know, p- p- peering through the door and seeing what kind of state he's in, and then apparently ushering him back to the field. I mean, he certainly returns to the field, leading the player uh, shortly behind him and put him back on, uh, put him back on there, even though he'd been knocked out. So, um, yeah, the concerns that Jerry uh, had there, I think, shared by uh, anyone who's even had a passing interest in this uh, story over the last couple of years but that's pretty much us Ken thank you very much thank you very much Karen. Uh don't forget you can listen to us on our uh, page that's irishtimes.com forward slash second captains on iTunes the Stitcher app and if you're on Android try the IPP app that's the IPP app and email us at secondcaptains at irishtimes finally if you want to contact us on, contact us on Twitter we're at, at secondcaptains we'll be back with secondcaptains football a little later on so we'll chat to you then What is that? It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.